The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. We are uh, going to be in Colossians 3 uh, this morning. If you have a Bible, uh, that's where we will be. And um, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, I'll, I'll read our passage for us, pray for us, and then um, we'll kind of get started in unpacking this passage together. We are starting Genesis next week, um, and Genesis will largely take us through the year um, with uh, a pause in the summer, uh, just so that we can all catch our breath. <laughs> so, but we're, uh, we're going to be in Colossians 3. I'm going to read for us here in verses 1 to 17, and we'll pray and uh, get started. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Rage, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of his creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all, and all, and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness and humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which indeed you have been, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Father, as we begin this year and look at this passage and consider what it is like to live in Jesus in the current circumstances of our lives and the current culture we live in, I pray that we would experience more newness in Jesus, that we would know him more. If there's one thing we want this year, Father, it's more of Jesus. So I pray that you would use this passage to guide us and direct us to experience more of him in the year ahead. In his name we pray. Amen. Um, last week, we, as our scripture reading, we had Colossians 3, and then I was provoked by Peter's sermon um, in which he kind of meditated on this dynamic of personal health, communal health, missional health as a way of experiencing life together. And I didn't intend for us to revisit Colossians 3 when we read it as our scripture passage last week, but that's where we find ourselves today, and I thought it would be um, a helpful way to begin the year 
Um, I know uh, that some of us are still processing. Uh, like, have you seen these memes of like, I'm still processing 2020 and we're already in 2022. <laughs> like 2021 just kind of was this long, it was basically the waiting room of getting into therapy to process the previous year. And then here we are in 2022, still figuring out uh, what life looks like um, moving forward. Uh, it can feel, I imagine for you, as it does for me, it can just be a little bit of a whiplash of constant changing, constant things being uh, dynamics being adjusted. Like even the fact of how we worship here on Sunday mornings has literally changed from week to week. Like, do we have children's ministry this week or not? Um, we've had dynamics of who's going to be able to preach on Sunday. Um, what are we doing? Are we uh, going to be doing masks? Are we not? Just even the functions of what this looks like on Sunday morning have changed. If you think about like, you know, poor child two, two months ago, what that looks like to today, things are very different. Things are constantly changing. Um, and I, uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, uh, but I don't think that that's changing in 2022. I don't think that things get better. I think that we continue in this or whatever this looks like. At least in my own heart, we can kind of, I can long for the old days of when things weren't as uh, dynamic or changing. And certainly uh, as a culture and as a community, it feels like things are constantly changing. Um, it can feel like, man, like I wish that we uh, had like that 1950s kind of idealistic experience of things not changing and things being reliable. But here we are. And I don't really know how things are going to land with what uh, is changing in the world around us. I mean, even like what does post-COVID look like? I've, I don't even know. I have no concept of what that looks like. I do know uh, that change and cultural upheaval has always been the context for discipleship, for what it means to be a, a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus. If you think about the time of Jesus, I mean, there were riots, uprising. I mean, I've never had to walk as a leader in any sort of capacity. I've never had to walk around with a bodyguard to make sure that somebody didn't stab me. Um, that was the generally accepted practice of the ancient world, <laughs> that you had to basically, if you're a political figure of any type, you had to have a posse to kind of protect your life. Um, within 40 years of Jesus' resurrection, the entire center point of, the Jeru of, of early Christian faith, uh, Jerusalem, was entirely destroyed and sacked by the prevailing power of the day. Um, in Jesus' time, they continued to live hand-to-mouth with food. There was constant changing economic statuses. If there was a drought, things were bad. So the, um, the, the uncertainty of life has always been kind of the bedrock and constant of the Christian faith. And so we find ourselves actually going into 2022 very much in the very nature of what is it like to live in the New Testament? Uncertainty is a constant. And so that's what we're stepping into here in this year. And that's why I want us to look at this passage together, because Jesus still reigns. Uh, last I checked, um, he still controls all things and is at the helm of the universe. And he guides how things change and grow. And while we may not like the changes that he causes in our lives and in the world around us, they are still his, and he is leading us through them. So... What we're doing here in Colossians 3 is trying to get a little bit of some calibration for how do we step into the year ahead, or the year that we already are in, <laughs> by a couple of days. 
uh, I revisited um, my sermon from two years ago the same Sunday, the first Sunday in 2022, <laughs> which feels like five years ago. Like, it's crazy to me that I remember going to the Super Bowl party at the O'Grady's in 2022, and which feels like five years ago. <laughs> like, I just, it's weird to me how time has morphed and changed. And my sermon from two years ago, I just kind of pat myself on the head, like, ah, you've, if you only knew what was coming, <laughs> you know? So who knows what this sermon means for us in the year ahead. But I think that what we can get and what we're going into this year for 2022 is along the lines of what Peter preached for us last week, personal health leading to communal health, leading to missional health. And at the heart of that, we still want to be getting more of Jesus, which is the the heartbeat of our life together. When we say we love Jesus together, we want to make sure that the emphasis is on Jesus. And so that's what we want to look at here in Colossians 3. The main point is very simple this morning, getting more of Jesus or striving for more of Jesus together in 2022. So with that, anticip- with that said, what I want to do is just drop down here into Colossians 3, verse 1. How do we get more of Jesus in 2022? Anticipate who you are in Jesus, verses 1 to 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I mean, the first question we need to ask when we look at this is, why do we want more of Jesus? Um, this is certainly a... a it could be a Christian cliche, or you may not even believe in Jesus. And why do we want more of who Jesus is? Have you ever had a person in your life that is somebody that is safe and inspires you to want to be like them? Whoever that person is, and you can name off certainly loads of people. That is a, an image of what it means for us to want to be more like Jesus. You see, that person that we're safe and we want to be like or inspired by that somebody that we can we don't feel like we have to kind of like we don't feel that that rigidness in our back where we have to kind of like perform correct you know but that person that we feel we can be relaxed with and inspired by and comfortable with it's an echo of what it's like to want to be like Jesus because Jesus is God himself zipped up in a human reality in a human being to be God's heart in dramatic display for us. And what we find in Jesus is somebody that is full of compassion and holiness and goodness, justice and love, all leaning into the realities of what it means to have to pay your bills and eat your food and get your kids cleaned and get the the jobs of life done. Who knows what it's like to be us? And yet he does that in perfect goodness, wanting us to be like him which is what we find Paul saying for us here. If you have been raised in Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. He's leading us to want more of who Jesus is, wanting who Jesus is for us. And where is Jesus? He is seated at the right hand of God. When he says, set your minds on the things that are above where Jesus is, he's basically saying like, desire to be like the house that Jesus builds. Desire to be like the place where Jesus is. Like, if you and I, were to say, for example, we are going to go to Gillette Stadium and we are going to go see the Pats play. I want you to act like a true fan 
like a true fanboy of the Pats to get all ready to go to the Pats game, what do you do? You, you, you get the, the jersey, right? <laughs> Some of you repent for not liking the Pats <laughs> or the Giants or whoever your team is that are going to lose. Um, but you start acting in ways like, you know, you, you get your cooler ready, you, you get your, your jersey on, you know, you look up the latest stats. You look up, if you're like me, you look up who's even on the team. Like, I don't even know. But <laughs> you start acting like a fan to go to the place where fans live out being a fan. That's what we are being called to here is you are called to be alive in Jesus and to act like him, to be a fanboy for Jesus. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean getting your church shirt and doing your church things. It means a life defined and characterized by the love of who Jesus is, by who he is. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Here's what Paul is saying for us. All of those things that we do not like about ourselves, the sin and weakness and shame, those things that are defined by darkness, those things that we would rather not talk about, those things have been put to death and laid to rest in the grave of Christ, in the last breaths of his life on the cross. He's victor, he has declared victory over them by his resurrection, and there is an overlap of these two worlds in our lives. There's the darkness, the things that are passing away, that Christ has defeated, and there is the life to come of who Jesus is and what will be like in him. You see, this is the anticipation that Paul holds out for us. We are to seek Christ who is our Lord. And when he shows up in physical form, cracking open the sky to show us who he is, we will then be like him. It would be like going to that Gillette Stadium game and Bill Belichick himself coming and welcoming you into the stadium. Jesus welcomes us into the fullness of who he is, which is actually all of who we are. Here's what I mean by that. In Tim Keller's book on marriage, it's probably my favorite book on marriage that there is, um, he has this little snippet where he talks about how our marriage life serves being more like Jesus. And he has this idea of, at the last day, we'll, we'll walk up and we'll go and see our spouse before Jesus being perfected and being made whole and all of the weakness and struggle that we saw in their lives as their spouse in a way that nobody else did. We will see all of those things washed away, and we will see them for who they truly are. And we'll look at them and say, I always knew you could be like that. that that's this image that, Paul, that, that Tim Keller plays for the purpose of marriage in the Christian life. What Paul is saying for us here is similar to that. That there is a version of you that Jesus has already purchased. There is a version of you without all of the doubt and anxiety and shame and sin and weakness that maybe you got exposed to in this last year, the last two years, the pandemic, the anxiety, the, the tension built up has caused you to see yourself in ways that you don't actually like that much. And there is a version of you that Jesus has purchased and secured so that when he sees you on that final day, he will say, I always knew you could be like this. That's who you are to anticipate being. 
that's what Jesus is holding out for you. There, there's a version of you that he has already made pure and true and good and holy that he's anticipating seeing in full radiant display so that there's a security of being a Christian. I, I don't know what's going to be exposed in the year ahead for us in 2022. The things about me that I'm going to realize or see or have to confront. But all of those things are a part of the fading away. This Christian of, of the world that Christ has defeated. And they actually secure for me this reality. There is a version of me, there's a version of you that Jesus is really excited about unveiling someday. There's a version of you that he is just anticipating, like we just saw this last week with kids opening gifts. He's anticipating, verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will then you also will appear with him in glory. How pure and good and holy, undefiled, good Jesus is. That verse says, you will appear with him in glory. Your glory, you will shine in a similar way to the way Jesus is right now. I want us in this year ahead to anticipate who that is. Who, who is it that Jesus is making you into? What does that look like for you? Who is this person that he is so happy to be redeeming? I think one of the ways that we can step towards that, one of the ways that we can kind of make, what does that functionally mean for our lives this year ahead, is this idea of self-talk. Like how do we talk to ourselves? There's very different versions of how we can kind of frame what that means, you know. Martin Lloyd-Jones has this famous phrase of, like, we often listen to ourselves rather than talking to ourselves. Um, Self-talk, however you want to frame that idea, it's that inner narrative of how we think about ourselves. How do I think about myself in the morning when I wake up? How do I think about myself during the day when I make mistakes? How do I think about myself at night right before I go to bed? And there's a lot of ways that we are kind of guided to think about ourselves, whether that's our internal junk, (laughs) I'm a problem, messed up, all these sort of narratives in our head. I wonder for us, if we were to take our cue from these verses, how that would help us frame how we talk to ourselves. What if we started and ended each day? Just, just an, we don't have to do this exactly, but it's just an idea. Started and ended each day out loud, using your vocal cords and your mouth to reinforce with physical reality the internal narrative, my life is hidden with Christ. I'm being made like him. And one day will be fully like him because he joyfully loves me. Something along those lines. Very, very simple. You know, the whole, whole the, the children's song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Something along those lines of rather than waking up and being like, I'm already late to work. I've got all these things I've got to do. You know, I've got to perform. I've got to do this. Blah, blah, blah. Rather than starting that way, there's a way for us to start and end before I take a breath of all the agenda for the day, let me breathe in. God loves me because of who Jesus is. And he's excited about who I'm becoming in Jesus. I wonder how that would help frame our year ahead rather than what's the latest headline, what's the thing at work, all those things. That's one idea. Let's drop down in verse 5. I just, To the extent that those things provoke you, take to the missional community group. Work it out there. Verses 5 to 11. 
So we're talking about anticipating who we are in Jesus, verses 5 to 11, putting to death our culture's idols, putting to death the culture's idols. Let me read this for us, then we'll unpack it a little bit. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. When he, when Paul talks about this phrase, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, the phrase is literally members um, members which are upon the earth. It's kind of this idea of like that which is bound to the world that is being, uh, that is wasting away. It, it almost is my mind kind of like this idea of like having like feet that are made of rocks <laughs> that are like holding you down sort of thing. That, it, that it, it's, That's the image that comes to mind. And what he does is basically he lays out these two lists of uh, no-nos. Uh, you have sexual morality and anger. And each one of them, um, they both go from uh, specific kind of instances of sin to general categories of how those sins ha- happen. So we'll just unpack um, them both, and then uh, we will uh, kind of do a little bit of some commentary on it. it when he says here in verse 5, um, put to death with the earthly in you, sex, morality, impurity, passion, all those things. Again, just to clarify, like he's not saying sex is bad or any of that stuff. He is saying um, the, the misuse of sexual passion and desires and all those things. So sexual morality, any intercourse outside of marriage, impurity, highlighting the, con, um, like the contaminating way in which that affects us like passion, or if your translation has lust, and overmastering power, evil desire, the desire for something contrary to God's good design, so it's a perversion of design that's there for us, for our good and flourishing. Covetousness and greed, again, so we're going from specific to kind of the general categories of how that happens. And the covetousness or greed is unchecked hunger for physical pleasure um, that doesn't belong to us which then Paul says is idolatry, finding your identity in something other than God's good design for you. So you see, you have unchecked desires, that you desire something that you shouldn't have, which is revealing of something deeper going on in the heart that leads ultimately then into the act itself. That's what Paul is kind of going at there in that list. Uh, anger, let me just, I'm for the sake of clarity and simplicity, I'm just going to, if you mind, I'm just going to quote from a commentary from N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright says, the list in verse 3-8 uh, um, is another uh, ugly one. Anger, the, covet, uh, the continuous state of smoldering or seething hatred, rage, when this state breaks out in actual angry deeds or words, malice, a word um, in the Greek, which simply means evil, but here probably has an overtone of evil intended to cause hurt. I can understand that word. Malice is a, a, a word with an edge to it. Slander, speech which puts malice into practice, and filthy language, words which either by their foul association or their abusive intent contaminate both speaker and hearer. And then he concludes verse 9 by talking about lying, the place of uh, deception within the the, the church. 
So why is Paul putting these two out here? Um, the, the, we're, we're not going to unpack all of this today, but I, I think that part of the reason that Paul lays out these kind of two categories of lust and anger, there's certainly, if you ever go look at the Ten Commandments, there's a lot more that he could have said there. Uh, but I think the connection between lust and anger is, um, as opposed to our life in crisis, they are culturally, at the time, there were culturally supported ways of using and abusing other people. The, uh, the use of our words to manipulate and control other people by our anger or the use of our bodies to manipulate or use other people for our pleasure were just a part and parcel of the culture. That they were, and certainly they continue to continue to have um, a play in our time. I, I think this is kind of some of the context because here in verse 11 where Paul says there's neither Greek or Jew, um, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, those terms barbarian and Scythians would have kind of been on the edge of being offensive words. They would have been on the edge of being saying like, um, I, I'm not going to say any of the words <laughs> because they're not, I, I don't want to be on the record. <laughs> you know, but they're not nice words for people who are not like us is basically what he's saying. And he's saying, those people who are on the edges of, of the known world. So barbarians would have been like the people in Maine. And then Scythians would have been the... <laughs> barbarians would have been those Canadians across the border. Or Scythians would have been the people across the border in Maine. Like the, the, the borders of the known world. And then there's those people out there that are like way, way, way past. Those are the Scythians. So... If you get the idea here, he's basically saying, like, look, these cultural orientation towards how we think and orient towards other people, they don't have a place here in the house of God. We do not think about other people and how we can use them or abuse them. I think that's some of what Paul's going on here. I think that the way in which um, our culture influences, influences and supports us in how we think about how people, um, how we use or neglect other people um, is kind of in the view of what Paul's going after here. And they, they expose the own idols of our own heart, how we think about other people. I think what 2022 offers us is an opportunity to see our culture's idols more clearly. It's very easy to kind of begin to start dissecting in which we live in a divided, polarized, divisive culture where... I, I, it has annoyed me. Just I, this is just a small rant. It's annoyed me as I've watched the numbers of COVID cases go up in our area. How quickly people politicize that. How quickly it goes to, it's, oh, it's all these people who don't do these things, and oh, it's all these people who you know haven't done these things for other people. And it's like, you know what, man? Like, it's just the nature of virology in the pandemic. We could all get vaccinated, and it still would have happened. Like that's just the way these things work. But they turn it into Republicans versus Democrats, that sort of stuff. Like, if we just live in a divided, it's just part and parcel of how we think about things. Even people, I think, that have good intentions. But these, there's a contentious spirit to our day, an unhealthy cynicism. And so what I want us to ask is how do we go beneath the surface and begin to ask, what are the ways that cause us to use or abuse others, to neglect or warp our humanity? What are the things in our culture that we just kind of assume 
Like, I'm just so deathly afraid increasingly of how my phone and my social media and all that stuff just changes how I think about people. Like, have you, I mean, for example, like in the last two years, this whole thing of like um, Karen's, like that whole thing, you know what I'm talking about? First of all, my mom's name is Karen, and she is like the most gracious, like supportive, affirming person that I've ever known. And so, like, I'm always just kind of like having to disassociate the category with my mom, which is just a weird category. But then as I watch these things, I mean, I, I get it. We're like racism and all this sort of like that stuff, not good, unhealthy, helpful to expose. But when I watch some of these videos, what I actually see in these videos are people who are having mental breakdowns from one thing or another and expressing them in clearly unhealthy ways where they clearly need help. But they're doing it on they're being captured in, on camera in probably one of the worst moments of their lives and then being gawked at by people who can do nothing about it to the tune of a hundred or hundred thousand views or more for our viewing scrolling pleasure. That is an abusive, neglectful, gross way of viewing people. Like it's just it's weird and gross. I just but it's an idol of our culture to gawk at to make commentary, a quick clip, and then do nothing about it and move on. At least I'm not like her. I think there's something for us to consider in how we can use 2022 to both see and root out the lifelines of the ways in which our culture is supporting idolatries in our own heart. Can we move on? Yeah, it's cool. Verse 12, verses 12 to 16. I want to. St- I think 2022 offers us the ability to get more of Jesus in persisting, to persist in being bound together in love. Verses 12 to 16. So Paul's just kind of said, here's all the ways in which we need to root out and see the culture's effect on us and the way in which it supports our own idols in our hearts. Verses 12 to 16. Persist in being bound together in love, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. And as the Lord forgives you, so you must also forgive. And above all put on above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. At the core of this, verse 14, I want us to kind of draw in there, and we'll kind of go out from that place. Above all these, put on love. It's interesting. Effectively, what Paul is doing is he's creating what's called in the ancient world a virtue list. A virtue list is something that was very common in the, old, in the ancient world. Um, and certainly, we, like, we still have that today. Like, there's, like, like Oprah's got like books like the Four Agreements where you have like four things that you kind of like it's like that sort of thing like life code sort of stuff. So in the ancient world, it's very common to have a, a list of virtues, um, but there's something that we miss in this virtue list because we kind of become accustomed to it. That I, I just want to kind of start step back and point out so that we can see how radical what Paul's saying here is. So just a few examples of virtue lists. Uh, the Platonic virtue list from um, Plato himself, uh, there's four virtues, prudence, fortitude, temperance, and justice. The Epicureans, um, so Paul addresses them in, in Acts 17. They were 
a, a philosophical movement in the Greek world. Um, they called that eth- ethics call for a rational pursuit of pleasure with the aid of virtues. So that the highest virtue, effectively, for the Epicureans of the day was pleasure. And then the way you got pleasure uh, was use all these other things, you know, truth and justice and blah, 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 to get to it. Uh, similar to kind of what we would call hedonism today. It, it's a similar but not quite same idea. Roman virtues, I'm not going to list all of them because, bro, there's like 20 of them. But let me just list a few of them. And they had both public and private virtues. Uh, as you would expect, uh, Romans had everything kind of articulated. I like, I like how they articulated everything. Like they just set everything up front. But they were uh, dead wrong in a uh, few things. Uh, they, their list were, for example, uh, on their virtue list for public virtues was abundance. That meant abundance for all of society. Uh, mercy, discipline, frugality, hard work, selflessness, justice, joy. That was a virtue of theirs. Uh, and primarily uh, virtus, or which is kind of translated as a man, manly virtue, being manly. Um, uh, beer is the Latin term for man. Um, it, it, its t- connotation was valor, excellence, courage, character, worthy, but it was a very kind of masculine, it was like be manly sort of virtue. Um, and then just kind of step outside the Mediterranean world or the ancient world. Um, for example, Sikhs, uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Sikh, uh, Sikhism, uh, truth is the highest virtue um, with truthful living being kind of slightly higher. And then in the Jewish world at the time, uh, the Qumran community was, have you ever, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know that term? So Dead Sea Scrolls, they kind of survive as kind of uh, the journals of all the Qumran community. Um, one thing that was missing on all of these virtue lists, love. At no point on any of these virtue lists is love not only stated, let alone highlighted to what we see here in verse 14. And above all of these, put on love. So when Paul says, I want you to be bound together in your life in Jesus, and here's what it looks like. Here's the virtuous of the Christian life. Love, they would have all heard that, and they would have understood that he meant self-giving, sacrificial deference for the good of other people, just like Jesus. And they would have said, said something along the lines of, get out of town, Paul. Don't we, as God's people, care about righteousness? Don't we care about justice? Don't we care about mercy? And Paul says yes to all of those things. However, primary front of the bus, driver's seat place virtue is self-giving love for the good of other people. You see that then in how he kind of plays out the rest of these verses. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Here's a critical part. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love. You see, Paul is saying the character and nature of the prime virtue, love, is to act like the very God that has loved you. Ever read stories of Greek gods, Zeus and all those guys? not models of life and character. Jesus is the very embodiment 
of the virtue of love. And he does it so that we are bound with other people that Jesus loves. That's what Paul is drawing us into here. He is saying, love just like Jesus and all these other things, verse 12, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, all those things, those things come around to support the living out of giving for the good of others. That is the type of love that Paul is calling us to here. So my commendation for us here is don't stop doing this. King's Cross, you guys are doing a great job at loving other people. Like you really are. And the way in which we grow into grow in this virtue is just to continue to do it, to continue to love others with a def- deferential attitude for their good, right? This isn't like loving others for the deference of like, well, we'll go to the 7 o'clock movie instead of the 5 o'clock movie. No, this is for somebody's good so that they flourish and are doing well. And I would remind us as we continue to work through all of the pandemic stuff that we are called in one body. We are to do this as a body together in Jesus. I am confident that 2022 holds opportunities for you to live out forgiving one another. <laughs> um, if you have a complaint against another, I'm sure that by the end of the week, we will have a complaint against somebody else. Probably rightfully so if it's against me, you know, <laughs> like, I'm sure I will disappoint you in some way or another. But we are called to do this as one body together. So here's what I just want to revisit that idea of self-talk from earlier, verses 1 to 4, and consider how does that help us here in these verses here. We are called in one body. So how can our words to each other, whether that's text or communications or conversations, be more defined by sacrificial, compassionate love for each other? I would just recommend that we consider the example and tradition of our brothers and sisters in the black church. Um, it's been my observation that some of their, uh, some of the ways in which they talk to each other kind of get like picked up and mocked a little bit of like, not necessarily in our church, I'm just saying in general, but they'll say something along the lines of, you know, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. That sort of talk of like brother and sister, chosen one of the Lord, those sort of like, they seem excessive. But I think they're actually picking up on what Paul is commending us to here in these verses. Did you notice what he says here in verse 12? But put on then as God's a title, chosen ones. And holy and beloved are not, they aren't character things of like things you're, be holy. he's not saying here in this verse to be holy and be beloved. He says you are holy and you are beloved. You are God's chosen ones holy and beloved. He's addressing them in talk that centers Jesus to the person that he's talking to. Who are you? Uh, You know, Mike, you're a problem today. No, (laughs) Mike is chosen, holy and beloved of the Lord. Jesus came to earth, put on a human body, was fully man and fully God, lived a perfect life. He ate fish He drank wine. He had fun. He also saw and bore the entire problems of the world, the evils and sins of all this life. 
died on the cross and rose again so that Mike would not know that he is a problem, but so that Mike would know that God delights in him, enjoys him, and wants him to be like Jesus. And that is true for every person in our church. So how can we center in our communication and life together? You are delighted in and enjoyed by the Lord himself. How does that, what does that change in how we think about each other? I leave that for you to consider. But I, if you're anything like me, I wake up in the morning and I consider all the ways in which I am a failure and a problem. And I go to bed night, same thing. Not only can I be doing a better job of saying, Jacob, Jesus loves you, chill out. I need a church to do this for me too. We all need this sort of language from Paul. Put on then, King's Cross Church, you are chosen ones. The God of the entire universe, and if you want to believe Marvel, the multiverse, (laughs) has himself said, you are the very people that I want to live with and be among. You are chosen. Of all the stars and planets and galaxies in this entire universe, Yahweh, God himself, has decided to come down here to 03103 zip code, or five, or whatever it is, zero two, and set his affection on you. Let's talk to each other, affirm each other, encourage each other, as though that is actually true, because it is. I think this would help us to become exactly what Peter was talking about last week, increasingly more a church that is set apart from our culture not because we're so much better, not even because we got our ducks in a row, but because we are a healthy people encouraging and affirming each other in Jesus. That's all. Let's drop down here into verse 17. And let's finish this up. Dream together. How do we get more of Jesus in 2017? Not 2017, 2022. We dream together about how to join God's mission. Let's just read verse 17, and then I'll make a few comments here. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I don't think what Paul is talking about here is strictly the three hours on Sunday morning that we're here, or whatever, how much time you're here. I don't think that he's even thinking broadly all of your church stuff. Do all those things in word or deed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think what he is talking about is the 24-7 reality, 365 days or 366 days a year of your life in Jesus. He is thinking about every aspect of who it means for you to be be in Jesus wherever you are through the week. He He is speaking about all of life in word or deed, whatever you do. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here's what I want to do with this. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. I want us this year to spend time together talking about what are we doing? What are we seeing? What are we experiencing? What are we yearning for and dreaming about for where Jesus has placed us here, wherever you are in the Manchester area? This is kind of coming out of an elders meeting recently with Peter and David where we were reflecting on, you know what, man, 2021 door closed. See ya. I just want to keep seeing what God is doing 
and learning together what God's doing in our city together. I don't really care what's going on on CNN or Fox or Twitter or Facebook or Reddit or any of those things. That's not where I live. Those are not real places. <laughs> like, Manchester is a real place, and our city is on fire. <laughs> like, our public school, like, entry point and just kind of seeing a window through Peter into what's going on in our public schools, we need to be leaning into how we can support and help the teachers who are caring for the children of our city who, are got ma- who have just got major issues across the board with how everybody's just processing the pandemic, right? I think about what's going on here at the Hope Center. We're increasingly getting more meetings here. We've got the warming station over at 1269 Cafe, which is overnight for the homeless population in our city. We, as of uh, recently, we've had, what, like 70 refugees from Afghanistan drop into our city. We're obviously connected to one family to try to support them. Those things are what matter to me. We have more families in our church that are leaning into and getting approved for foster care. Those things matter to me. I do not care what the latest TikTok thing is. I do care when it affects our public schools, which unfortunately it started to do. So here's what I want us to do. I'd like for us to have three family meetings this year, and I'd like for us to go into each one of them to engage to have a conversation and dream together about what God's doing in Manchester. So can we put this next slide up here? So here's the details on what, this is actually what I want us to do. I want us to have family meetings in 2022 where we have congregational discussions and dreaming about our passions for God's work in Manchester. So I'm going to set these dates out and we'll get the times and details to us later. But February 6th, April 24th, and August 28th, I'm trying to work around kind of the the warp and woof, the rhythms of family, school, work-life, all that stuff. But what what we want to do in those meetings is effectively do what we're talking about here. We're going to talk about some logistics, you know, we'll, you know, budget, who's doing what, all that stuff. I'm sure that you guys are like really excited to see the budget for this year. <laughs> like, who cares? Yeah, Nick is very excited. What I'm excited about for these is I want to hear what God is doing in your neighborhood and in your area where you are. What What's provoking you? What's exciting to you? What, what do you see going on that's a need that we can lean into and support each other together? Because if we've got, for example, if we have families that are leaning into foster care and adoption as a community, how can we then support them and help them when the time comes for them to have a child placement? What does that look like? Meals, clothes, services, babysitting, blah, blah, blah. All those other things. How can we be leaning in to support our teachers in our city? What is it that you see God doing in your area, wherever that is? And how can we be leaning into that together? That's what I want us to spend these meetings of this next year because I just, it's a part of how we continue to stay focused and stay on track and how we get more of Jesus, because he's doing something and we get to be a part of it. Is that making sense? Is that trying? I think these are just a few pastoral thoughts on how we can be leaning into the year ahead. I think that there's more of Jesus that we can get, and it's not, it's not rocket science. It's not overly complicated. It's leaning into him, leaning into each other, and seeing what God's doing in our city together. Let's pray. Father, as we've talked about joining uh, your mission here and leaning into each other, I just want us to revisit your words to us 
that you have given us new life in Jesus, that you have loved us of all the people in the universe. You have delighted in us in Jesus. And it's a love that conquers our own sin and weakness and death itself that we might experience more. So whatever comes in the year ahead, I pray that it would be more of Jesus for each and every one of us and as a church together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.